Hello and welcome to Media MD, your weekly dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And this week we'll be checking back in on the Bobiverse books. Um, yep. So I guess let's let's do our spoiler alert up front. We'll, we'll be talking about the first two. Even though I'm only about three quarters of the way through the second one, there's probably some stuff in there that we should start talking about. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I was, well, that was my first question is where you got up to. So Yep, so, so I read the first book. And then it took a while for Amazon to ship it to me. And then I was like, man, I, I want the second book, but I didn't have it. So I signed up for a free trial of, of like an audiobook thing and started listening to it. It was a good, it was a good audiobook. Just, just as a side note, the audible audiobook for the second Bobiverse book, good narrator. He does good. Oh. He does like a full on Admiral Akbar voice for a uh, Yeah, It's great. Well, because I don't know if I, I don't know if I went on this rant because I, I listened to all three in with the audible because Audible's actually the the publisher of the books. Oh. Um so when when a new one comes out, it's actually like an Audible audiobook exclusive for a, for a month or two and then the and the then hardcover the book comes, comes out. out. Weird. Um and cuz the weirdest thing about that to me is the first audiobook was actually pretty bad. Um and I, and Same I thought it was radar? weird because even yeah. Yeah, um, and if I think I just read the other week, they're actually redoing the first one um, because one of the big <laughs> things that happens is uh, the guy changed how he pronounces a lot of things. So, like, mm. you'd probably be familiar with, um, like, Delta Eridani, um, yeah. whereas in the first audio book it was Delta er- Eridani. Um, Ooh, it sounds wrong, doesn't and, it? And, uh, yeah, and he... I think they're, they're these, um, you know, the little artificial intelligence things that are programmed are called Amy's, whereas he yeah. spelled out A-M-I in the first book. Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of little things like that. And just even even by the third, there was still, I, I, I would notice little segments where, and maybe this is just because I've done some a little bit of audio editing now, so I'm, I'm more attuned to notice it, but there were You're obvious sort of retakes um, so I just sliced in, so there'd be like half a sentence where like the, the sort of audio quality would just suddenly change and then it would flip back. And that seemed kind of mm. a little weirdly unprofessional from, from like audible of all people. <laughs> um, yeah. From an actual like p- proper audiobook publisher and producer. Yeah. So I was a little surprised that, um, you know, this is a series that has done them really well. Um, mm. put, you know, Dennis on the map. I think it's sold really well, won a bunch of awards and they have exclusive rights. So I would have thought they'd do a better job with the audiobooks. Uh, well, they're going back to redo it now. Anyway, yeah, yeah. we got off track, but the second audiobook is <laughs> pretty good. So I guess if you want to enjoy the books, read the first one mm. and then listen to the other ones. <laughs> yeah, or, or wait for this updated version of the first one, I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, but let's talk about the actual content of the, yeah. of the story. Um, so, yeah, I, I liked it. Obviously, I read... I'm I'm still reading after the first book, so I, I must have liked it at least some <laughs> level. Um, yeah, I. Where should we start with it? Let's start at the beginning. Um, do a plot which is summary. My first kind of yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. Let's do a plot summary. Good idea. So, so this guy Bob, he's a software engineer, and he has just sold his company that we d- don't really ever find out what it was, but he sold this some big tech company for billions of of dollars. Enough money that he's never really going to have to work again, basically. Um, yeah. Enough money that he doesn't know what to spend it all on. And so he spent and just kind of on a on a bit of a whim and kind of a bit of as a joke, he spends, <laughs> he, he, he purchased himself like some cryogenic freezing. So when he dies, eventually he will be 
frozen and like re defrosted when when he can be like saved essentially yeah um and then he immediately dies <laughs> so wow like i'm glad he didn't set the appointment for like the day after or else it, this book never would have happened but yeah um he wakes up in our future his present where cryogenic pe- people have basically been declared property not really humans and so um he and some other cryogenic people are put into the brains of machines as a new kind of scientific venture to to get them to be turned into von Neumann probes that we talked about in the first part and explore the galaxy, right? Yeah. So Bob gets off world, starts exploring the galaxy, makes some more Bobs. They they have other names. They give themselves names like Bill, Riker, um, Mario. Some named <laughs> some named after uh, pop culture references. One of them calls himself Homer. Um, yeah. No. In fact, I think all of those like. Uh... I, th- I think you don't. This this wasn't made clear to me until they ex- sort of explicitly state it towards the start of the third book. But mm. Riker is actually the name of one of the Star Trek main characters from one oh. of those series. No, I know that one. Um, and oh, okay. it, it didn't, didn't click to me that Mario was probably Mario from Mario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I was just like, oh, he just called himself Mario. But no, Mario um, is like Mario. I think my my personal favorite was uh, the two who travel in the colony ships together that call themselves Bert they and Ernie. Themselves Bert and Ernie. Yeah, <laughs> there's a Loki and a Thor that come up later. Um, yep. and and they're clearly uh, oh yeah, there are a few that name themselves after seven dwarves. Um, yeah, except one of them right. calls himself like what is it? One uh, of them calls themselves like grumpy or like hungry or something, and and yeah. there's no hungry dwarf, which is funny. And all the others get real mad at him for doing it. Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, but anyway, so so then at that point, after Bob kind of makes him close to himself, it turns into this ensemble cast book where different Bobs go off and do different things. So, um, but one of Bob's first clones, Bill, stays and kind of becomes the uh, the like <laughs> the 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 stay at home dad, where central he processor, is making technology. <laughs> yeah, sure. He he like makes tech to send to the other Bobs and like manages communications between all the Bobs and kind of sets himself up as this like. Bob secretary kind of guy. Um, yeah. The original Bob goes off and finds sentient life and kind of acts as their god for a bit. Um, <laughs> Riker goes and and checks out what happens to the humans and tries to move them off world because the earth is fucked up. Um, and and it, it kind of bounces around between these plot threads. Um, yeah. I guess the, the three main plot threads are, one, moving the humans off world. Two is is finding these sentient race called the Deltons and, and the original Bob kind of being their god. Um, and three is like other conflicts in the galaxy. So in book one, it's a Spanish or Brazilian, um, yeah, a Brazilian intelligence called Maderos. Yeah. Um, and he, so he was like basically uh, in the future, Brazil was basically undergoing the same project that uh, the bob's country was doing so it's like a, yeah. a rival version of the program but more violent yeah um because the um, bob's so constantly another, talk about about their kind of replicating yeah. itself and and it's in this kind of arms race to replicate themselves faster and, and find each other and stuff like that yeah because I, I i always thought one of the funny things in the book is the bobs are constantly talking about how they don't like violence but they're they're also always constantly fighting people um, <laughs> well that's the thing um there, there's some time jumps in this book right because they will spend yeah. like, you know, 20 years traveling between fucking galaxies. And so we say constantly fighting, but really, they're not really constantly doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. 
the book is very judicious about editing, like only showing you the interesting parts. And you will sometimes have parts where things have happened off screen, like years, years and years have passed that maybe some interesting stuff happened in and it will be kind of summed up in a sentence or two, but you never really see any of it. And that's fine because Bob is this immortal sentient machine. So (laughs) that's kind of how he would see things, right? Yeah, exactly. So I want to talk about the start of the book. Like, I think the first kind of maybe third of the first book is Bob learning that he's a machine and kind of learning about his capabilities and finding it a bit about the world that has evolved since he's been frozen. And and I found this part of the book kind of boring. Um, like, especially in comparison to later, when, when it's like exploring space and finding all these great kind of different <laughs> things happening and exploring all these different interesting scenarios. The first part of the book is a little bit like political espionage and political intrigue, and it's not really... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It didn't really grab me to the same extent that the later parts of the book did. So, because uh, I, I would agree with you. Like, I remember when when he first sort of creates that original batch of five that includes like Bill and Riker. Um, yeah, and he sort of first starts cloning himself. Um, I think that was the point where I was like, okay, now we've hit like the real part of the yeah. Book. Now we're getting to the real part of the story exactly. Um, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have said that I found the first third like like boring. I still enjoyed it. I definitely like in retrospect I would say it is all just sort of your warm up um yeah. to get there. But like the the original flight he has to I think it's Delta Eridani, um yeah. where Medeiros is is tailing him and he and he's got a, he's under the pressure to to really sort of um figure out how to get out of that situation, uh I thought was was really good um mm. as well. Uh, but yeah. different different to the rest of it, obviously, because well, it, it changes I mean, a bit. I, I mean, like, basically until he gets off-world. Like, there's a lot of stuff with him finding out about what the what the uh, US has turned into. It's basically <laughs> a... It's the, hand, uh, it's the Handmaid's Tale. A like, Trump analog like, was elected. This is all a- <laughs> Yeah, so, so there was this kind of Trump analog elected. And then the reaction to that was a strong atheist president was elected for the first time ever. And then the reaction to that was, like... The, the kind of religious right of America uprose and, and overthrew the government and installed a new government of, like, non-secular, um, like, very faith-based government. Yeah. In so, fact, it's called faith, isn't it? It's the, called faith, the... exactly. And, and their, their defining trait is that they love, <laughs> they love backronyms, which is great. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, then you kind of have all this play of, like, Bob trying to find out about the world and talking to this one guy who's managing the replicant pro- program and and him kind of having some brief interactions with um, faith, you know, senators or whatever the analog is who are like very much religious zealots and, and Bob doesn't like them. And, and, and there's this kind of like, I don't know, it, it, it feels kind of political when, when really you can tell what what the book wants to do and what and what the author, Dennis e. Taylor, wants to do is get off world and stop worrying about this fucking shit, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, I, I have a feeling he he felt a need to really develop all of that stuff because it it becomes such an important part of um yeah. like Homer and, and Riker's story. Yeah. Um that he he probably didn't want that whole section to feel like it came out of nowhere. Um yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. definitely think there's, there's some need for backstory, but I, I don't know if 
I, I don't know. I, I feel like that that was the weakest part of the book to me, to the extent that it kind of let the rest of it down a little bit. Especially because this is introducing you to the book. Like if if someone wasn't doing a podcast where they have to read the whole way through the first book, <laughs> I can definitely see someone like getting turned off by that and being like, "Well, this isn't what I was expecting. I'm just gonna kind of put this aside." Yeah, no, I agree. There were definitely points when he was in the facility, just sort of doing the day to day training with um, was it Dr. Landers? Was that? Was that yeah, I think so. Yeah, that that there were definitely bits of that where I was like, oh, I, I get the picture. Yeah. Um, but but um, yeah. So I, I want to talk about this is something that I think I had the most skepticism about going into it, which is like the characters of the book and whether I'd actually find a bunch of clones interesting characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I did. I, I think I did. It was like, like they're very clearly clones, you know? Like they're very clearly quite similar personalities with minor deviances just from, yeah. you know, divergence or whatever it is. But with the exception of a couple of them, they, they, they very much have different personalities, even to the extent that you can tell that if you had a clone of yourself, one of you would just end up acting differently out of a desire to not just be two identical people, you know? <laughs> yeah exactly um like a lot of the clones like homer is a good example he he adopts a name and personality that is kind of reactionary to the other bobs <laughs> um which i think it, it lends for an interesting dynamic where they all know each other so well and they all know how each other will act so well but they still kind of have these moments of of difference and of like bringing different ideas to the table just because they they are kind of minorly different characters yeah, yeah. It sets up a much more compelling narrative of like a hive mind than than a traditional unified hive mind would, I think. Yeah, and especially you see that later, like you're saying, it's probably starting to reach the point where they're having fairly regular Bob moots. Yeah, and and there's lots of bickering and and arguing because people you know have different perspectives because they're on opposite sides of the of the galaxy and um. Yeah, you're right. It's it's a much more interesting concept of a hive mind because it's not really a hive mind. It's just like a a bunch of almost clones, and yeah, they, exactly. they bicker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They kind of remind me of like twins, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Variance and difference, but like familial connection that that kind of trumps everything in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. I liked a lot of the characters, I, and I was. I mean, maybe there were some characters who were only really defined by what they were doing. I think um, Bill and the original Bob, who maybe this is a bad example because those two are like the first two, so they would be the most similar. But those two, I see as like the same character, but just one of them is off to to play with some sentient creatures, and one is staying at home making tech for the others. You know, <laughs> and if, yeah. if their roles were reversed, they would. I, I wouldn't really be able to tell which one was which. Um, yeah, no, I'd, 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 I'd probably agree with that. Um, but beyond that, I think, I think they're, they're very compelling. Um, one, one interesting thing to me is I, 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 I wish, and, and this is, this is coming up because I've, I'm in the middle of book two, um, which, which starts to actually get into a lot more of the psychology of this stuff. Um, but I, I wish that the first book dove into it a bit more. Um, I, I get the sense that like, if you thought about how would I do as a replicant, you know, I feel like a lot of people would say, oh, I think I'd do pretty well. I think I wouldn't go crazy or whatever um, out in space by myself for 40 years or whatever it is. I, yeah. 
and I think that's the kind of thought that Dennis E. Taylor had when he was writing this character. Like, Bob is is what people think of themselves in that situation. <laughs> um, and in the first book, it's very much like he just kind of exists and is fine. And in the second book, it actually starts into, to get into a bit more of the psychology of this and, like, him taking care of himself mentally. And, and you have some Bobs who have some really bad things happen to them and, and then it kind of causes them to have mental problems or you meet other characters um, who who have kind of issues from being out in space this long by themselves. And and I think that's where it really starts to get interesting for me. And at the risk of uh of, of another comparison, it's it's this Ward versus Worm of like Worm is a great plot, but Ward is a great plot and exploring the psyche of the characters inside this story, you know? Yeah, I agree. He you know, they he tends to just write it off a bit as like, oh well Bob was always a bit of a natural owner, so he's he's just kind of <laughs> yeah. fine. Oh, um, he liked. He was an introvert, so he'd be fine being by himself for hundreds of years. That's fine. Uh, yeah, and and um and they establish like that the VR helped him because I assume I I'm pretty sure towards the end of the second book you've met the the Australian probe. Yes, Henry something. Um, I think his name. Yeah, is. Henry. Um, and so you know they they kind of like a lot of Henry's sort of initial foray into everything tends to sort of try to be this effort to establish that, oh, well, it was the VR that kind of made the difference. Yeah. But but I agree. I, I still kind of think, like, I'm pretty sure NASA has sort of done studies and, you know, even after sort of a couple of months just sort of by yourself in a room, like, you tend yeah. to start to go a bit crazy. You go crazy, exactly. Um, um, and I think it's okay to kind of hand wave that a bit. But, uh, you know, it's not it's not too much of a criticism of the first book, but it is a praise of the second book that it does get more into this stuff and more into, yeah. like, the what, psychology and, of how this situation would affect people, and because I, I think Henry is is one of the ways it does that actually. Yeah, exactly. I, as I just brought him up, yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. When I was when when you described this book to me two weeks ago, I was kind of worried that it would be this this Stargate kind of thing where it's like here's this premise and it's cool, and now let's just use it to have a bunch of episodic adventures, you know. <laughs> um, but I'm really glad that that's not what it is. I think maybe the Delton plot, the, this sentient race that original Bob finds, is the most kind of disconnected from anything. But all the other yeah. plots are very much central to the narrative of, of of Bob's exploring the galaxy and seeing what they find out there, you know. And it's 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 nice. It's nice to have this compelling story that dives into different side arcs from time to time but always has this central theme and this central narrative yeah definitely i really liked it and i really liked yeah i liked a lot of it there's a lot there's a lot of interesting things of like well what does it look like rebuilding a society from like ten thousand humans or what does it look like if someone from our time went to try and help advance a, a caveman-esque society or or like how would you react to finding some race of nanotech robots that are out there fucking eating people or whatever the fuck they're doing? I haven't really <laughs> finished that plot thread yet. We'll find out later. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think that's that's just sort of starting where you are, right? That's yeah, basically. Um, um, well, because yeah. I think there was a there was a specific moment. I'm interested to see what you felt about it. Because um, mm. I think I think there was a moment where I listened to one part of the second book, and I think that was the point where I just messaged you, and I was like order the first Bobiverse book because I'm bringing this to you. Yeah. And that was um that was the point where uh Bob discovers the nest of the griffin like things and yeah. Delta Aridini. Yeah. The and hippogriffs, he calls them. Yeah, that's right, the hippogriffs. And he just ex- like exterminates them. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> I think that I, I'm, I'm interested to, to hear your take on that moment because that was the moment for me where I was like, I fucking love this book and I'm I'm bringing it to, to this podcast. Yeah. So so this is this this plot with the Deltons where original Bob finds this sentient race of kind of caveman-esque people and, and basically starts acting as their guardian, um, helping the smartest one of them by, by giving him technology first indirectly and then kind of he introduces himself and becomes a part of their society to an extent. Yeah, he keeps trying um, to hold himself back, but he's really bad at it, is, is yeah. basically the thread of <laughs> it, that story. It's the, the start of the story is basically him trying to follow the prime directive of not interfering with other societies, but then just fucking it up and, and yeah. not being able to help himself. And, and, and the kind of story revolves around him really developing a familial connection to these, to these creatures. Um, yeah. And basically using them to substitute for his his own family that he never really had, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and and then so he then there's this this race of creatures called the hippogriffs, which are like invisible flying giant birds. <laughs> um, well, I mean, yeah, and, and they I mean, start apparently they're shaped the like hippogriffs. <laughs> yeah, like for yeah, sure, hippogriffs. Let's call them. Um, and and then he finds their base, and he basically drops a giant metal ball on them from space and it completely demolishes them. Yeah, but um, I think the thing is he expects it to kind of destroy the island and the nest, but he miscalculates and basically creates an explosion that can be seen on the horizon. Yeah, and um, like drops chunks of, of burning rock on the Deltons and he has to like work hard to protect them from <laughs> yeah, being exactly. hit by fallout, literal fallout from his, his actions. And he actually gets kind of exiled from the from the camp following this because he's gone so overboard. Um, Which I, I always kind of liked. I liked that recurring bit about how how quickly the the Deltons just sort of grew to adapt to like the presence of a flying god flying type creature. Robot guy. Like they would, they're <laughs> yeah. always so chill. Like um, like you can imagine a lot of humans would just immediately start worshiping it, whereas the Deltons are just like, yeah, but what have you done for us lately? <laughs> yeah i mean you taught us about spears and stuff but i don't know <laughs> when you exterminated our predators you went a bit over the top so get out <laughs> um yeah it, it was an interesting moment because it's it's I, I i really like this plot line of a basically just a an, a slightly above average intelligence guy from our time in a situation where he meets a species and becomes their caretaker. And it's this very, it's, it's this very relatable to me kind of story of like, well, what would you, <laughs> where, how does ethics stand in the, the real situation of meeting these people who you have a tangible way to help? Like you yeah, can help no, these people have a better life. And because he's constantly sort know. of trying to help and, and then he makes things worse. And so then it's like there's more obligation to help fix yeah. it and go further because it's his fault. And, yeah, it was very, yeah. very believable. Uh, I, I really like that events. plot line. And the, the part where I really realized that I loved this book was um, was actually to do with Homer. Um, back, on, back on Earth, there's a group called Vehement, Vehement, which stands for Voluntary Extinction of Humanity, Something, something, earth, natural restoration, treatment, whatever. But they're yeah. a group about like wanting to take, wanting to basically wipe humanity out so that the earth is better off because humanity is a race that consumes and expands forever, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and, and what ends up happening is they hack into one of the Bobs. They hack into Homer and control him and, you know, without without any of the other Bobs realizing for a while, they, they have him sabotage things, blow up food supplies, kill people. And, and we only find this out when Riker, one of the other Bobs, realizes that he's been controlled and frees him in the space of like, I don't know, a few paragraphs. You find this out. They they do some espionage and then they free him. Yeah, and he is so broken by this. He's so broken by being forced to kill people, being forced to to do horrifying things, and and he like completely breaks down and, and never recovers and and ends up killing himself. Um, which which is a big deal for a Bob because not, killing himself also means that he goes in and deletes all of his own backups and everything. Yeah, like he, so he which can't is, be brought back. Yeah, which is as close as you can get to suicide when you're part of a collective consciousness yeah. like that. Um, and, yeah, he, and, he erases all the things that are specifically him, even before yeah. the hack. Like that's interesting. It's it's so bad that he he doesn't even want a new Homer to be brought back from one of his pre-hack yeah. backups. He just wants to be gone. He just wants to be gone, and and it. It's something that really hit close to me because it's like, well, yeah, like in book one, he's just a guy, but he's kind of fine with everything. And then we get this situation of like, well, this is a, a really a guy from a, a, just a regular guy from our time who has been forced to kill people and forced to yeah. do horrifying things. And like that would fuck someone up. And it's it's. Yeah, that that was the first part where this book really like hit me emotionally. I think. Um, yeah, definitely. <sighs> Poor Homer, and he's such a goofy character. He's such a goofy, <laughs> lovable character as well. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah, he was the fun one. Um, yeah. So of course, and he, it had the, to be in him. the audiobook, his voice is like the the narrator does a pretty good Homer Simpson impersonation for his voice. It's tragic. Yeah. You, you, actually, you did, out this suicide you did bring that up at Homer the start. Voice. <laughs> yeah, you did bring that up at the start, but I, I really liked the the voice as the guy does. Like, uh, yeah, as yeah. you sort of already brought up, uh, one of the things is that Bob uh, creates a virtual version of his like AI assistant thing, which he makes Admiral Akbar, and the guy does a pretty good Admiral Akbar impression. Um, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, he does. He does a good job with voices. Yeah. Um. Yeah, shame, I, I guess Burton that's all I have to say about to it. More. <laughs> uh, I think that might get too annoying. Um, <laughs> I, I really like it. And I'm really excited to see how a lot of these plot threads develop. I mean, something that starts happening in book two is um, one of the Bobs, fuck, I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head, but starts falling in love and developing a relationship with a human woman, um, like oh. a scientist. Cool. I did because I didn't want to bring that up because I wasn't sure exactly when it started. But yeah, that's one of yeah, my so, favorite. So that started happening, and it's clear that that's kind of the direction this is going in. Like now we're going to get into like <laughs> him having a relationship with a human, presumably, and 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 what does that look like? Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of interesting places that this is going to go. I think, and I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes, and I'm excited to see. I think this this setup has so much potential for interesting stories to be told that even three books isn't enough to contain it you know no exactly i finished the third book and and the third book does a pretty good job of wrapping most things up but definitely like you you know that the fourth book is just going to be like more great stuff so it doesn't really matter yeah yeah um 
I guess that's all I have to say about it. I really, I really enjoyed it. It's really good. I just, yeah, good stuff. Good recommendation. Mine, if I have to rate it out of 10, which I do, yep. I will give it a, I think I'll give it an eight and a half. All right, cool. No, I'll give it a nine. You know what? Let's, let's be a bit crazy. <laughs> let's give it a nine out of 10. Yeah. Well, I'd say, yeah, keep reading. Um, yeah. Cause, cause we'll, we'll, I guess we'll get to talk about it in a few weeks during the annual checkup and I'd love to oh, hear yeah. your thoughts on the third one. Oh yeah, man. I, I better like hurry it up then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Should we, should we talk about the annual checkup now that we've kind of segued into it naturally? That was my secret plan all along. Nice. Oh, good on you, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like we did last year, we're coming in our second year of doing this podcast and we're going to do an annual checkup where we go back over the things that we, um, that we recommended this year and maybe some from last year as well and follow up with them. So some things might have some additional, you know, episodes or seasons that have come out or we, we didn't quite finish a thing like this Bobiverse book as an example and we're going to finish it before this annual checkup and we'll just kind of retouch things if there's anything that we want to say about them. So it'll be an annual checkup spectacular of, of revisiting past media. Yeah, and I, I promise right now that the, the Worm Ward section will have like a hard time limit on it. Yeah, yeah, let's time box <laughs> that one for sure. Because <laughs> uh, um, otherwise that'll be the whole thing. Yeah, so when's that going to be coming out, Elliot? That's like uh, the end July, of July. In about a month, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, you should go back through and listen to old episodes that you haven't heard and, and make sure you, you've caught up on your media backlog. I know I have a fair amount to watch. I still haven't quite finished The Good Wife. We're almost there. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll, 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 we'll have some more info on that a little bit later, I think, uh, in, in coming episodes. Um, yeah. So if you want to find all those old episodes to listen to to make sure you're all caught up, you can find all that stuff on our website, mediamdpodcast.com. There you can also find links to follow us on Twitter and Facebook to interact with the show. You can find links to our Reddit discussion threads where you can talk about the media that we're talking about. Leave us comments and we might um, talk about them in the episode. You can also leave us a review on iTunes to help promote the show, which would be very helpful. Um, there are also links to discussion threads, all that stuff. Oh, and all of the previous clues for our ARG. You can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD and why are his stars so far apart. Elliot, what's this week's clue? Strap strap and we will see you next week